Hello, I am Wanda Swan. I'm Shannon Palma. And you're listening to Once Upon Upon a Patriarchy. We are so excited to have with us today a very special guest. And we will be discussing Brave. Boom, 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 boom. Similar to the format of the other episodes, we will have some background information given to us by our resident expert, Shannon Boma. <laughs> and then we will get into the story of Brave with our special guest, whom Shannon will give us more insight into. Please help me welcome someone that I fangirl often. <gasps> Shannon, who do we have today? Today we have with us L.B. Klein. <laughs> the crowd went wild. Yes, it did. Who introduced us, by the way, or arranged for us to be introduced? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. right. Oh, look at us to get see if it were not for LB. This podcast would not exist. So thank her. Ooh. Profusely. Yes. I feel like your dogs would have brought you together somehow. <laughs> I don't know how that would have worked, but I'm pretty sure. Well, actually, in our first conversation, I told Wanda she should get a dog. Oh, then, then no, you wouldn't even have that opportunity. Yeah, I was dogless. I was, I was, I was a dogless woman in this wild world. Oh no. Yeah, and yeah. so I remain dogless. Yeah, that's. I feel for your pain. Thank you. Well, L. B. Klein is a social work researcher who works to end interpersonal violence, advance queer and trans health, and advance social justice through seeking to close the gap between research and practice. She's currently an injury and violence prevention fellow, doctoral student, and adjunct faculty member at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and serves as a consultant and trainer through Soteria Solutions and her consulting partnership, Catalytical Consulting, LLC. L.B. serves on several state and national advisory boards, including as a founder and research co-chair of Campus Advocacy and Prevention Professionals Association. She loves cooking from scratch, handwritten notes, queen, Wednesday afternoon dance breaks, and spending time with her partner and eight-month-old twins. Welcome, L.B. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> this is going to be fun. I get the benefit, too, of being able to listen to the whole first season, so I get to be, like, a fan to this as well. <laughs> oh, shucks. So sweet. So, Shannon, tell us a little bit about what we have here with the story of Brave. What are we doing? So Brave is really interesting. It's an original story. It's not based on folk, a folklore or fairy tale or history kind of kind of thing. So what we're going to talk a little bit about is the context of the movie, which in and of itself I think is very interesting and plays into what we actually see on screen. Mm-hmm. So it was the first female-led Pixar film. So it's actually a Pixar film that came out after Disney acquired Pixar. Mm-hmm. So... If you watch the film, you'll see Disney Presents, and mm-hmm. Merida is the 11th Disney princess, but it's a Pixar film. And that is important because of who was kind of behind the scenes on the film. So it was the first female-led Pixar film and the first female-directed Pixar film. It was Brenda Chapman was mm-hmm. the original director and the person who came up with the story. 
So it's set in 10th century Scotland, and it's just before brown bears became in- extinct in the region, which was in like the 9th or 10th century. So that's, that's where we have our kind of hard stop, right? Has to be while bears still exist. Right. There's a, a mashup of, co- of periods when it comes to costuming and technology from different centuries. That's kind of the same Disney put it all together mm-hmm. and see what comes out. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that you do see that have folklore backgrounds or some kind of realistic backgrounds are the Will-o'-the-Wisps. They're generally mysterious lights that lead people astray. Sometimes a young boy or a man is carrying the light. Sometimes there's a backstory, sometimes not. But those, those kind of lights in the woods, that's, that's a thing. And standing stones, I mean, you know, Stonehenge, all through that area of of Europe, you see them, that kind of England, Scotland, Ireland. We've all seen the previews for Outlander, regardless of whether we've seen it or not. I can say that I started reading it and I watched season one. Wow. And then I stopped. I I read the books back when they first came out, not all of them, but I read like the first four and it was really rapey and I had to stop. And that's why I stopped. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of books I've read in the past. Yeah. yeah. Sort of read. Oh, nope. done. Done. Yeah. Can't watch the TV show. I'm like, no. 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 Been there, done that. Mm-mm. There's lots of bear transformation stories in fairy tale lore. Bessile is the she-bear. Henriette Julie de Marat. I, I always butcher the French. But her uh, bear skin, which is super weird. Grim Snow White and Rose Red. Like, all of these have bear transformations. Um, People transformed into bears. Some of them have women transformed into bears. Some of them have men. None of them map this story. Hmm. This was an original story by Brenda Chapman, inspired by her love of these kind of the darker Grimm's tales, the Hans Christian Andersen stories, and her relationship with her own daughter, who was four or five years old when she got the idea, and apparently quite strong-willed and so kind of thinking about what her what it would be like when her daughter was a teenager was Hmm. what inspired the storyline so so what her goal was was an original fairy tale with a feminist heroine sort of homage to Grimm Uh, my friend Gina who is an amazing fairy tale scholar Gina Jorgensen she would call this fairy tale pastiche Mm. right so it's got fairy tale stuff or Mm -hmm. it's made of fairy tale matter but it it it's doing its own thing. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting about the way that Brenda Chapman conceptualized the story is that she conceptualized a mother-daughter story with both characters as equal leads. Hmm. So that the mother and the daughter are both the main character. They're both main characters. And there's not really a villain. Murdu is supposed to represent the struggle and the darkness that's going on with both of them with their relationship, in particular with Mary Dow trying to change her mother. The issue that comes up and the thing that I think is interesting to talk about in this context, especially given some of the things we were talking about before the recording started, is what happened on on the production. And that is that Chapman was removed from the production about five years in. It was about 18 months before the film was released. Although the 16 months, it's, it's a little unclear to me the exact timeline, but she was removed from the production due to, quote, creative differences. And she, remi- she remained very quiet about it for, for some time and just said creative differences, but... I don't trust Disney enough to believe that that's true. I'm side-eyeing you. I'm ready. Let's I go. Know. So there have been some... There's, she's, she's remained very professional about the whole thing, but she's, she's kind of... 
there was a lot of support for her when it happened, and a lot of people immediately said this is part of Pixar's sexist culture. Mm. And uh, because she was replaced with a man, and that man, Mark Anderson, was Brad Bird's mentee. So Brenda Chapman had actually been the first woman to direct an animated film back mm-hmm. in 1998, Prince of Egypt, for, for DreamWorks. Oh, she, she had started at Disney and left with uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg and gone to, G- to DreamWorks at his invitation. And she cites him as being a really a good colleague and a good mentor to her at, at different points in her career and giving her some opportunities. She didn't want to direct. She wanted to stay with story, but he persuaded her to direct. She really enjoyed it. And they did that film. So when she ended up leaving DreamWorks and coming to to Pixar, she did it at the invitation or persuasion of a colleague who then died not long afterwards in, uh. a, in, a, in an accident. And the culture there seems to have shifted uh. right around that time. Okay. But basically she came there. What she didn't know at the time, it sounds like, is John Lasseter's reputation for create, who was one of the, the Pixar Dream Team for creating a really hostile environment for women. So he actually was... He resigned last year during the Me Too kind mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. period of time, and there was a lot of ousting or there was a lot of outing of what it was like to be a woman there. So one a former employee actually wrote an uh, an op she wrote an op ed, but before that she kind of just wrote her experience and shared her experience of of being told she couldn't attend uh, weekly art meetings because she was. Uh, too attractive, and if John Lasseter was in the meeting, who was directing the film, was in the meeting with a, yet an attractive young woman, he would be too distracted to get anything done, so they just needed her <laughs> not to attend these meetings anymore. What? Yeah. What? So, and this this then gives you some insight when I say that one of the things, like a couple of the things Chapman has, has let slip about about some of the feedback she got on the film, like Eleanor's butt was too big, so they were the queen. They wanted her to make mm-hmm. her 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 bottom smaller, and she wanted to have a middle-aged woman on mm-hmm. screen. She wanted uh, Merida to have the body, uh, at least, you know, the cartoon version of a body of a real teenager as opposed to the, the very hourglass shape that mm-hmm. Disney uh, traditionally goes with. It's unclear exactly what was going on in that creative differences spot, but once she was removed and they replaced her with Mark Anderson, Mark Anderson takes a lot of credit for fixing Mm. the film. He just talks about how they were attached to things that didn't work. It was going to be snowing, and so she took away the snow, and and he he was the one who came up with that opening scene, and, and he was the one who had the idea of intercutting Eleanor and Merida's monologues when they have that kind of conversation with each other. He takes a lot of credit for these. he did his job. He did his job for the last 18 months of the film after they took her off. Loudly. He did it loudly. He did did it loudly. And he also, like, those are pieces that I barely remembered. So he also, oh, my favorite, he credits his Scottish ancestry for influencing the film. Stop it. The film's authenticity. (laughs) Oh, Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think that you should be proud of that. You should not be proud of that. Also, no. Brenda Chapman also has has Scottish ancestry. Like, if you're gonna be proud of, like, you 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 came on after most of it was done. Yeah, right? that's like me. Wanda Swan also has Scottish ancestry. Right. So do I. Ooh. 
Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? It doesn't give me the ability to make something. You're seem a sub, sir. Be a sub. Be a sub. And sub. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So basically, the thing that's that Chapman has said. So the film then went on to win an Oscar, BAFTA, Golden Globe, all of these awards. And so Chapman and Anderson have co-directing credit on it. And it's been like Chapman's career has. She got a lot of support. She wasn't allowed to leave Pixar until the film was released. She had to stick with them for a while, and then she moved on to other things. She's got some cool projects coming up. But one of the things she said when she finally did leave Pixar and break her silence was, sometimes women express an idea and are shot down only to have a man express essentially the same idea and have it broadly embraced. Yes. Yes. Right? We all, we're all like, yeah. So basically, there seems to have been some things that that she thought they needed to do with the film that they shot down and then that um, Anderson brought back in. She did say at one point one of the changes they tried to make to the film after getting her booted off of it was to make it a father-daughter story instead of a mother-daughter story and then realized that did not work. (laughs) No, because the father's an idiot. Because the father is an idiot. a big child. So that's, I mean, in terms of... Background. The other thing to to that's kind of interesting is that uh, a few years later, when they were when they announced Merida as the the eleventh Disney princess, they released an image of her that was a redrawn two D animation version of her that was that kind of very overly sexualized lower neckline, thinner mm-hmm. waist, big alien eyes. You know, the much more tame hair. Uh, that prompted an immediate petition and a bunch of other things. And then Disney said they were pulling back on that and that they, oh, no, 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 we're not going to, we're taking it down. (laughs) They didn't. They released some uh, materials and and some merchandise had that image and some didn't. Mm -hmm. Some had the original. But It's probably too late to pull back. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of what our, what the background of the story is, it's, it's, it is an original story, but it's the product of, of both someone who really wanted to tell a different kind of story and that studio system that really is is looking to create a specific kind of package. Right. So it's a bit messy. It's a bit messy. Mm-hmm. And that's all I got. That's what I got today. That was good. Like, I didn't have this overall sense of doom that I usually have when you do the retellings or <laughs> or just sense of hopelessness for humanity. But I think it was more of a, yep, that's exactly what I would expect to happen uh, within today's, oh, within today period, right? I think it was something that I would expect to happen when, when we are when they're looking at striking out a new path and this is what Disney, for me, what Disney would look like if they didn't have a script. It would be a mess, right? <laughs> and it was, it would be a mess that's like smaller waist, bigger boobs and no relationship with mother and daughter. I mean, yeah. it's actually like it's the Disney formula. That's what Disney would do to this. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I actually really like Brave there are things about it that I still find very mm-hmm. troubling, as there are with all of these films. Mm-hmm. But I love having a mom. I love having a mom. Yeah, in I, the film, I liked it. I think that I think for me, there were moments where I felt like, okay, I am clearly I've been deprived of a Disney mother, and I'm supposed to take 
this version. Yeah, yeah. But I, because yeah. I felt the same pull, I was like, oh, and and I found myself making excuses for things, and I was mm-hmm. like, well, she's a mom, a Disney mom, and I was like, yep. no, we still deserve better. But, no, I totally think we deserve yeah, better. But so I, I get I just, that. She's a she's a mom, and she doesn't die. It's so, and she has wrinkles. Like right, yeah, she has frown like, lines. She has gray hair. Yeah, and she doesn't. I just can't keep. I keep coming back to she doesn't die. It's she so almost exciting. did though. She almost did. And she she got she she there was some violence that came upon yeah. her. So I guess we we'll jump into that too. So even oh. when the moms don't die. Yep. You I mean, still have some some physical violence coming your way, some way, shape, or form. Like that comfort for me to, and the way the same way that they did Tiana, right? Mm-hmm. When she was a frog, how many like the very violent ways that they tried yeah. to kill her? Yeah. Um, because it was okay because she was an animal and not a human, and I think I saw some of that too. That was just like Disney. Why you suck? Like God, save the women. But who the mom is? So, LB, you know, what we usually do, we have three magical questions that we ask every guest. And so I'm wondering, uh, we're going to jump right into that. So what are some of the themes that come up or that came up for you when you rewatched the film? I think that's assuming that you watched it before. Maybe we'll start with that. Have you seen this before? No. Because oh. this is one we're all like watching as adults. This is not yeah, one any of us saw as children. True. Yeah, I, I, I am not a Disney fan. Yeah, yeah. And I don't try to watch Disney on purpose. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Oh, this is gonna be this so is much great. fun. This is great. <laughs> okay. I mean, by accident, I think I've watched things that are Disney, but not not on purpose. I've and now having kids. I feel like I need to... You're doomed. <laughs> I'm doomed to... Someone will have them watch them, whether I like it or not. Right. Whether that's me, you know, is a good question. But no, I hadn't. Um, but I've now watched it a couple of times. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... That was me rubbing my I don't have together. any nostalgia. Right, yeah, yeah. This. Right. Yeah, or any, here's what I thought this was, and now it's something different. Okay. Just, what it is oh this is so this is so interesting i think you may be the first guest that we have had who's not had a previous relationship with disney in this way this nostalgic Mm -hmm. um relationship that kind of creates this push and pull right yeah yeah so yay thank you but i do remember at the time this came out and i can't recall exactly when that was i think those like years of my life kind of blend together too perhaps (laughs) but is I think a lot of this kind of feminist, this is a feminist Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And my reaction was, no, I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to watch yeah. that. Air quotes. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's not a good idea for me to do. Like, no one would want to watch anything that's called, someone would call a feminist Disney movie with me. It was <laughs> for everyone else in the theater the requisite donations I would need to make after spending my money on it would be really difficult for whoever was trying to be my date to this. But that's not, no. So So what are some of the themes that come up for you when you first watch the film? And I first watch it while my twins, I have two presumably male, definitely white 
sons, who mm-hmm. at the time I first watched it were three months, I think, and now are eight months. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking a lot about them while watching this too. And I think that what struck out to me the most was the idea of even in really feminist quote unquote story where women do have relationships with each other, they don't have any other relationships. Mm. You know, like the, the, the fairy tale ending is resolved with your family, but you can be by yourself. Uh-huh. And I think there's this idea that you can either be married. That's one angle you can go to in any of these stories. And the other is you can be by yourself. Uh-huh. Um, you can live alone, right. you can you know, ride your horse around by yourself. And I'm all for being by yourself. That's great. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't seem to be the only two options that exist, that despite it's being centered on women, the men had relationships in the way that the women only had those relationships with mother-daughter relationship was all that was there. I always want friends. Like, why don't they have friends? <laughs> This is what you come back from death to say. <laughs> we just had to pause. I'm clarifying for our audience. We just had to pause because I was coughing so much. We had to edit that out. But seriously. <laughs> we are going to get you friends because, look, you did not almost die to not have friends. No. like well, I want them to have friends. Right. I love y'all. Like, right. But you can forge your own path. But be by like I found myself most relating to the witch who lived in the woods, right? Like she's, she's entrepreneurial. She does crafts. Yes. You Yo. know, she seems to have good work life balance. She was gone for a period of time. I had a good out of office elf. Like I was just gonna say, yeah, like her out of office technology was amazing. Was banging. Like I was yeah. like, come on. She has pets. Yeah. Yes. She doesn't mm-hmm. treat them nice. She's not super nice. To her yeah. Pets. They're, they're, yeah. yeah. She, she, but. She yeah. clearly has, like, the bears were a theme. Like, she has interests. <laughs> yeah. Like, she was into bears. Well, she has a market. That's yeah. how I was like, oh, you, oh, you got a market. Like, you know exactly where, where your customer base lies. Like, bears are a thing. Go ahead and get them out now, because Shannon already told us the bears are going to become extinct. So, she's smart. She yeah. is doing this overproduction <gasps> of the bears. Yeah. She was like, because the bears are going to be gone, and it's going to be a nostalgia piece. Boom. I'm the only... I, said, I mean, come on. That's foresight. She Claiming is. your market. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. But I think there's this idea of, with a lot of these stories that are supposed to be, quote-unquote, feminist, you know, strong women leads that aren't about romance, which there are so few of them, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is this idea of, well, you can do that, but you're you're going to be alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. you can do that, but you're still, we're not going to talk about it. And I, that's one thing I appreciated. There wasn't a lot of beauty talk in this movie mm-hmm. or, but still, if you're going to go, th- go through this trope where you can be who you want to be, I guess, you know, the 10th century white feminism that they've allowed yeah. into this movie but you're still you're still of course thin yeah beautiful and all this other stuff you know instead but it's instead of as in she's all that where she goes through the makeover she doesn't go through the makeover mm, right you know? and i I, w- I want more to my movie than that mm-hmm. personally mm. her um her crisis is very much the white feminist crisis i don't want to get married right yeah. I want 
there, there's so, there must be more. I, I don't want to get married. I want my freedom. I have no apparent responsibilities other than sewing and getting married. So it's there are some some parts of this I was like, you remind me of Ariel, <laughs> right from the Little Mermaid. Say more about that. I I appreciate I appreciate Disney, Pixar giving us a leading lady princess with gumption. I appreciate the tendrils. Okay, mm-hmm. can we just talk about the wild hair? Did a lot for me. The witch's hair, that natural hair bun. I was mm-hmm. like, come on, I can go buy that from the hair so the hair mm-hmm. shop. I know I have worn that bun before. I have purchased that bun before. <laughs> and you are rocking it well. I appreciate that. I also I feel like there was a point where I was like, man, these are like first world problems you got here, kid. Like when we look at like the structure of the township situation right you were either she was either running out with on the back of 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 her steed her faithful (laughs) steed or people were serving her right Mm -hmm. so there were there were points of this where i was like oh okay so your option is you can be a princess six days Mm -hmm. out of the week and then you can take a break on the Saturday, I presume. And then you can go shoot arrows and you can drink from the, like, the brave waterfall situation. And then you come back and you sit at a dinner table with some very, like, horrible dinner guests. Like, they have the <laughs> worst table manners, oh the worst God. etiquette ever. Right? But, you know, and... The hardest thing is in your life is I don't want to follow this age-old tradition of marrying someone that I don't know, which no one should. Like, I feel you, friend. Go out and be one upon the forest. I get it. But I also have to say, like, like Ariel, it was one of those things, like, I have everything that I ever wanted, but still I want more. And I'm like, you know... Different from Ariel, you had a mother-daughter situation where it was clear that, you know, there was this, you know, mom was like, oh, she's stubborn. She gets it from your side of the family. It's clear that there was some, like, you are a younger version of your mother to me. Uh, I felt that she was a younger version of her mother, and there are times where that made her mother afraid um, because she was so powerful, and she wanted—she didn't want to— relinquish that power and I think her mom did because she felt like she had to Mm -hmm. um and so there are some things there but for the most part I was like okay this is Ariel without Eric and I was like because none of there was not a prince in sight your daddy wasn't even a real king he was trash and I felt like your mom lost a bet and she had to end up with your father. But <laughs> I think for the most part, like, you know, I think it was a, like, the tension had to be created in a way that I was like, okay, we're going to make these very privileged lives complicated today. Cool. Okay. The thing that really got me about the mom, I, I've been reading fairy tales and studying fairy tales for so long that... Like, a lot of the basic stuff, I'm just like, yeah, it's all relative to the baseline (laughs) that we're dealing with. And I got really excited about Brave because she has a living mother. And then the first time that I watched it, I was so excited. 
even as an adult, just to have a living mother who had dimension and character. I was just thrilled. And then going back and watching it this time, Eleanor's, like, what she's pushing constantly, the certain kind of femininity that she's pushing was so disheartening Mm -hmm. because ultimately, like, they've made this this society something that, like, all of these alliances are built on marriage. Mm -hmm. The whole, like, we'll let our children marry for love, that's BS. That's not going to happen in that society. Like, they're getting, she's coming back and she is getting married to one of them. Like, that's what's really happening there. It's built on marriage and war. Yeah. That's basically... These alliances need to be sealed in some kind of way. They've left it all. And these people are not stable (laughs) or sensible in any kind of a way. So, like, there needs to be some kind of contractual tie between them to keep the status quo. I realize, I realize I'm, I'm fully present with the ridiculousness of being annoyed by the lack of realism (laughs) regarding political structure. And reality. It's like the teacups. It's but it's like the teacups. You're doing the same thing you do with the teacups. I was like, what? Why? Where are the teacups? Why does sugar and cream have no faces in Beauty and the Beast? Here, I do not believe that all of these really, really, these children are not marrying for love. This is ridiculous. You've thrown me out of the story. So I just, I really struggled with the end of it because I was like, If that's what that mother, if she's that invested in that specific, like, this is what I'm grooming you for, if she has any, and they they create her as very intelligent. They also mock her constantly with the swivel butt when she's a bear. And, you know, like, there's Mm -hmm. the animation of her kind of prissiness. The dainty bear. bear And all Mm -hmm. of that is, did not feel. Well, I feel like for me, I don't know. Eleanor was everyone's mother. And that is the pressure that, and that is the 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 weight. She was mm-hmm. her husband's mother. She was the mother of everyone there in that meeting hall for all the clans, right? She was never to be without grace, without poise, focus. Like she was a robot, and she was she was the king, right? She he he could not even. Her husband could not speak and address his kingdom without her. She gave him words. He talked over her. And a fight broke out, right? And she, he was right there in the middle. Like, he was a child, and she was everyone's mother Mm -hmm. in the whole movie. That bothered me immensely. That's what Merida successfully takes over at the end. That role is what she actually, like when she goes, when her mom's sneaking through, they're trying to sneak up to get to the tapestry and Merida kind of lays out her plan and all of this stuff. What she is successfully doing is being the mom in that situation and arguing for all, like, giving them all a way to move forward that is highly politically unrealistic. <laughs> However, <laughs> seems to work within the diegesis of the film. They like it. They like it, regardless of the fact that that would not play. Right. 
I'm still, I'm going to be politically happy. unrealistic. Yes. And <laughs> when the ending to it also doesn't make sense, even if historic, like somehow historically the premise can be that easily changed, you know, mm-hmm. not, not to queue up the ending to spoil the ending of game of Thrones, but similarly, like, <laughs> no, like, this is not a way to end a thing. Right. But in addition to that, women also can't make any mistakes in this still Mm. right so she makes this mistake now like don't drug your parents to change their opinions that's not great that's but as you said considering the source material this is something that happens in these stories not the worst way someone has used magic on another person to try to change things you know actually being a bear is probably maybe not even in the bottom half (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I wouldn't mind it actually no it seems kind of i actually thought this It'd be setting. very freeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Make but... it all day. I love that. <laughs> you can't, but if you can't, Live outdoors, at the end of it, there's this idea she can marry whoever she wants. But as you said, Shannon, like, what is she doing, though? Yeah. You know, it's not, what are you not doing? Great. Like, agreed. Marrying someone for land acquisition and maintaining government ties is, you know, not my version of happily ever after either. <laughs> but yeah. What is, she, what is she being set out for? And based on how all of that went down, it's like she made a an error in trying to get her freedom, as, as Wanda mentioned, freedom from like a pretty cushy situation given the time period and circumstances and all the other folks shown in the movie who probably need a lot more freedom than she does. Right, yeah. But, you know, buying into all of that, then what, what is she doing with herself? You know, does she have the, the privilege... To just do whatever she wants. Is she getting a job? Like, what? What is she doing? With is she just riding around on a horse with her mom? With right. Her mom. I, I think there's a difference between hair up, hair down. Right. So I mean, that's the only difference for me. It was like, this was. I think it was weird because, like, much like Ariel, Mary dies a horrible teenager. Yeah. She, she really. She's is. a horrible like kid, right? And Super unsympathetic. <laughs> right. And I get it. I get the system that you are staring down the barrel of. You don't want it. And you should have the right to say, I don't want it. But yeah. like, and your mom is trying to, you know, square peg round hole. But you're also a whore. Like, I was a, I was an interesting teen. And my mom will probably say that a lot of the gray hair she got was because of me. But I never thought to drug my mom. Never. I, I also never destroyed anything of my mom's that I knew my mom valued in a fit of yeah. temper. That was. Yeah. That I, I, I didn't even slam the door, to be honest. I slammed the door once and I got grounded. But, you know, like, I, was, I was very like. I slammed the door I read once. Books. <laughs> I slammed the door once, and she took the, the doors off the hinges, and we never got them back. <laughs> she gave us the decorative bees, you know, the <laughs> bees in the doorway. Like, we never got the doors back. That's the kind of mama I had, right? So Do that you know. never would happen Yeah, either. that didn't happen. Um, but but yeah. the, the destruction of her, the fact that they both do something mm-hmm. to harm the other, but Merida does, like, take something her mother made Mm -hmm. that depicts them and their family that she's worked on clearly for months at minimum and destroys it in a fit of temper. Her mother taking the 
and then never is sorry about that. She fixes it to to try and change the end the spell, but she's never apologetic for what she did. Right. Right. Her mother is immediately sorry mm-hmm. for what she did with the bow, which I mean there's a difference in terms of maturity level and but frankly, I'd be taking that kid's bow away. Like Merida reacts as though they're Equals. equal. Yep. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah. Which is especially odd given the just sort of buffoonery of men in general in this story and there really aren't other people so it's Mm -hmm. either so mom has all the responsibility and no respect from anyone anyone and your choices are enter into this very restrictive marital situation or be absolutely terrible to your to your parents Mm -hmm. and there's no nuance or middle ground that's explored and there's also no resolution that makes you go okay there's really been progress here Mm -hmm. it's more oh these institutions are a problem and sure yeah they are but there's so much else that needs to be shifted there that wasn't Mm -hmm. done because so much of it is based around you know well i don't want my mom to be a bear anymore well, it's a bridge too far. She's a bear now. Like, I can be disrespectful and awful. But I don't want her to be a bear. Like, that's yeah, that's not great, you know. What I saw with Merida is that she's picked up on the kind of disrespect for the things her mother values mm-hmm. that is a part of that that culture and that her, her mother is, is mothering everyone, is in charge of everyone. They all give her... They all listen to her when she puts her foot down, but they don't respect her. Mm-mm. They they do what she says, but only when she's watching. The second she's not watching, they're off doing, they're fighting, they're doing whatever. They're like, oh, we got caught. And Merida has picked up that from her dad because there's lots of situations. They show you her dad undermining what her mom's trying to teach her and it, thinking it's funny. And they're comrades, right? And they're buddies. Yeah. 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 I think it's really interesting, too, because you have, can we talk about the three little hellions that are also a part of this cartoon? But I, I <laughs> will get to that. Baby mm. bears. Mm. But I also feel like, I feel like it was very interesting because the relationship that she had with her father was not the typical Disney relationship right. that daughters have with their dads he didn't treat her as if she you know even when you know well who know fathers in disney films are children right right check got that but there's also this sense of delicacy that they have very similar to the way that in some instances the way that eleanor is treated it's very similar to the way that daughters and fathers are treated, the relationship that they have. And so there were times where I felt like this particular personality that Merida has, like, is it is it that she is not perceived as feminine to her father? Or is it, you know, is there is there a presentation of masculinity that he respects because he has a different level of respect for her than he has for his wife? And he treats her very differently. He treats her as if, I think, the way that he will treat his sons when they're old enough, which is not the way that her mother treats her, which I think also creates some tension there because 
you know, mom is trying to teach her to be a princess and to be stoic and to just exist in this very restricted way. And dad is like, you know, almost like, yeah, let's go hunting together or let's go, you know, mm-hmm. jump on the horse and here's a bow and I'm going to teach you how to, to shoot an arrow, you know. And so I, I was trying to wrestle with what that meant also. And I was wondering what you guys think about it. The father's relationship to the the daughter and and to his wife and the way yeah. that, that differs yeah. he has i mean there's the the daddy's girl trope mm-hmm. and he gets to play that with her because he doesn't have to police her role mm-hmm. in the kingdom her mom is there to do that her mom is there to break her heart and tell her she has to get married mm-hmm. and that that's what her life will be so dad gets to just encourage the fun and be a playmate and all. I, I think that's a very, that's still something very typical of, of father-daughter relationships when they are positive, mm. <laughs> is that they're a, a team of small rebellions against the policing of the mom, which is, I mean, it's, it's interesting. One of the things that I find really interesting about that is I really wonder how much of that that switching and trying to make it a father-daughter story mm-hmm. and then having to switch it back to be a mother-daughter mm-hmm. story. Like, I'm, I'm very curious how the relationship with the dad shifted in the final version. There's no, there's no, there's nothing on that. Maybe it didn't shift. You know, I don't, I, I don't know. But I'm, I'm curious about that because that does feel like a relationship that a man with a daughter would think was cool as opposed mm-hmm. to a mother of a daughter would think was mm-hmm. something aspirational. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think there's something to be said to you for this movie trying to walk that line between you can't really be femme and be empowered, right? You need to yeah. take parts of your who you are that are feminine or femme and diminish them in order to be ma- more masculine or man-adjacent or you know, whatever a tomboy is supposed to be, like mm-hmm. those sorts of qualities. But then you also can't actually be a girl or a woman who is masculine, Mm-mm. right? Mm-hmm. So there, she's still, she's not like a masculine person, but she has all of these sort of bonding with dad pursuits. But I, I think what's difficult too with the, with the parent situation is that that allows her dad to kind of, you know, zoom in and zoom out with this without mm-hmm. having to tackle any of the, well, you can only do this for a certain period of time, that women can only really be masculine for, a, like, there's an expiration date mm-hmm. on women being masculine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, there's, and femininity and being femme has certain things that go along with that at the end of the day. And I think, like, for me, like, I, the tomboy, daddy, let's play catch, or you're so cute, you know, that part was definitely there um i think valuing her femininity and and the strength in her femininity was the issue because towards the end when she fought her father like she she picked up a sword against Mm -hmm. her dad to defend her mother and like landed some blows right Mm-hmm. Took him down, took him down a couple inches, right? Cut his, um, cut his yeah, leg. Yeah, right. Cut his leg. Like, she was 
standing with and for her mother. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I will not allow you to kill my mother. And I think that that, for me, that angered him, right? And so it's not cute anymore when it is very... It has a very specific purpose. Like, you know, like... I, he didn't even listen to her. No. Like, she's saying, this is my mother. This is my... Like, either she's lo- his wife is missing... His daughter is saying, I did a spell. This is mom. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the boys are also like, first of all, what, how did it take him that long to realize his wife and children were all missing? That's, he didn't even notice for days. That's what I said. You in, you in your house for two days and you didn't know that your wife and your kids are gone? Didn't even notice. And then when he does finally notice, he he does not listen to it. Like, he doesn't. He encourages Merida to do things, but he's relying on Eleanor to mm-hmm. to do all the actual parenting. Mm-hmm. And then when when Merida actually is telling him something really, really critically important and is willing to pick up, like, to fight him on it, it doesn't even penetrate to... Mm-mm. He doesn't even... He doesn't listen to anything she says. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Like, for all that the movie is supposed to be about how Eleanor and Merida don't listen to each other, Eleanor and Merida listen to each other fine. They disagree. Right. Sure. But they're, they are actually listening to each right. other. They're just disagreeing with each other. It's the dad who's not listening to anybody. Like, it's not Merida and Eleanor. I agree. Like, that. Right there, that's the redirect. Like, that's making it sound like women don't listen. Women can disagree with each other. An older woman can have an understanding of what the actual political reality of her daughter's life is. And <laughs> still hung up on that. Honestly, like, this may be a little bit off topic, but those three kids oh. are going to end up on the 10th century version of cops. If they don't, <laughs> what is that? What, horses? Um what? Knights. Knights. Um, they're going to end up there. Because, constables. Like, com- constables. <laughs> they, this, they're highly problematic. <laughs> they are their father, right? And I, I was not at all surprised to see a war breaking out in the formal room. Um, like, he, he, he just... Did, yeah, so there, there's just no um, expectations placed upon uh, men in this space to. So who's gonna rule that kingdom adult? after Eleanor and uh, Merida? Yeah. And um, I mean, she's just gonna keep piping him information. She's gonna keep yeah. feeding him language, and I mean, she, she props him up. She props oh, him yeah. up. I mean, when Fergus dies. Who's gonna lead that kingdom? Like, are we gonna have a war? Are we gonna have Merida elected queen? Or is it gonna be one of those three tw- three terrors? Uh, they'll, they'll, all three of them will be married to three equivalent unfortunate <laughs> fortunate women in other kingdoms who oh. are then going to have to deal with it. So even if Merida escapes this, the solution is still to hook three more women into this system. <laughs> <laughs> anything about these three boys. It's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I think for me what was also interesting about this is there was a point in the movie where 
and I forgot that I had felt this way, but there's a mm. when I first watched it, there's a point in the movie where I became very fearful mm. for Eleanor. Like I became very fearful that she was gonna be killed in her home. And that it was like a very thin level. I was like, Oh, we gotta get Eleanor out of the house. We gotta mm. get Eleanor out of the house because she was going to be slayed in her home. By her spouse. By her spouse. By her spouse. And a group of other folks. Who she, at the end of the movie, has to go on living and socializing with. Yeah. Even though one of the things, um, and Brenda Chapman talked about this in, in terms of like what she thought was a powerful moment in the movie that she was glad stayed in, was that Eleanor, and I think the repercussions of this when you think about it, that Eleanor, when her husband is about to kill her, has given up and Mm -hmm. does not fight. And then when it's her daughter's life on the line, she does have the strength of 10 men. Like, she Mm -hmm. does fight. She does whatever she has to do to protect her daughter. But that she didn't fight back. For herself. For herself against her husband, that that's her husband and she doesn't even try to reach him or connect with him. She just looks at him and waits because, like, that that was, yeah, I had that, I had a similar moment. I kept thinking she's not going to die. It's a Disney film or a Pixar, you know, but but she's going to have to live with them after. This is not a happy ending to me. She's going to have to go live with these people who've tried to, with a man who just tried to kill her and would have killed her. Like, I didn't, I didn't think she was going to die. I thought that she was going to be harmed, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, having eight to ten men tie you up with rope and pull you in different directions. She was harmed. Check. Check that box, right? Yeah. What's bizarre, too, about the ending is there's a sort of this need to stitch the family back together. Like, the women are the ones who are dividing the family up, and she needs to go put those back together and there's so much too around intergenerational trauma where mothers sacrifice for their own children right like Mm. she has to stay there though like there's no real redemption for Eleanor other than to try to help her daughter that's all she can do and Mm. there's no way for her to get out of this but there's also not an acknowledgement that that is a loss and there's Mm. no focus on that it's more well the family is back together and everyone is great like, we can hold both that Merida doesn't want to have a similar fate and that this is totally fine. I'd like to see something where it's not okay for anyone to be going through this. You know, that they can... I just, I just want something for both of them. And I think that the focus comes back to Merida. And given that she is so unapologetic and unkind to her mom and doesn't really redeem any of that... It makes me sad that our message is about that for our mothers, especially given so many mothers take so much suffering for their children. And that was not that was so ever present in this, but not at all highlighted in the resolution. It's okay. well, now we're a big, happy family again Mm -hmm. because this this one girl doesn't need to marry somebody, which I mean, yay, I guess, like small victory that we had a movie about marriage that didn't end with the marriage. But there's still the marriage and there's still, Mm -hmm. you know, all of this with the family and everyone who's in that living there that is so rooted in oppression and patriarchy. 
And I think it's also like it wasn't necessarily that, yeah, we won't have a marriage, but I think there was still the expectation that we won't have, it's just we won't have a marriage today. Yeah. Because even when, like, the way that the message that Merida delivered was interpreted to the elder clan members were, we are going to allow these men to win her heart. Yep. As well as her hand, but what if she don't want none of y'all? Like if they like, look, these are the best that you got. Y'all struggling. Y'all are all struggle clans, okay? And she was not interested in any of you all. So and the boys didn't want her either. No, like, no one wants to be in this situation. But there's going to be a conflict because yes. they put off the war. They put off the war That's for today. All. But there's going to be a conflict because the expectation is that now there's still work that the men will have to do to compete to win her hand, Mm -hmm. right, Uh, to win her heart. LB, I'm interested, though, like, how do, how is it that some of these things relate to the work that you do uh, as it relates to anti-oppression? Like, what are some of these things that are, are you actively working to unravel and how did they well, some of the themes that you're actively working to unravel, how does it show up in these spaces? I think that men's accountability is a big part mm. of this mm. movie. And I think a lot of that is we that men and boys need responsible women to fix them, right? Mm. Like there's mm-hmm. the whole idea that that is, that is the reality of, you know, well, this person is doing all of this really terrible stuff, but as soon as they find, you know, the good woman who's going to, you know, tame them and help them settle down, mm-hmm. then he can just focus all of that on, you know, damaging her, you know, <laughs> is, seems to be the reality. And somehow within this story as well, the way that that is continues to be transmitted across generations that somehow, despite Eleanor going through all of this, she is, which in many ways to me doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense, that she's raising three boys who seemingly will do the same. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And yeah. that that's not questioned in any way. You know, it does. I can't. I'm, I'm having trouble holding the ending to this with that reality that there's nothing questioned around anything related to men. And somehow we get this liberation of women, albeit very limited, delayed and confusing about where that goes with the tropes of the time. Mm-hmm. We get this like <laughs> micro liberation. But men don't need to change to get there, I don't think is a reality any of us can be a part of, right? You can't have, and I think we often try to have this idea of empowerment, empowerment for women, empowerment for whomever has experienced oppression. But at least in my own work in higher education, a trope I've heard a lot from folks is, but it doesn't cost anything to folks who have privilege. Like men aren't nothing, men don't lose anything by women and trans folks having greater rights. They, there's no loss to them. There's no loss for white folks related to privilege of folks of color having having access and having greater empowerment. And I think this movie shows how ridiculous that is. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. people do need to actually change and give some stuff yeah. up. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's how change happens. Mm-hmm. That's also why, you know, beyond being historically inaccurate, it's like how... How do we realize this vision as anything positive without, with the yeah. only folks who changed are the folks, albeit in a very limited capacity, given how oppressed other people who are side characters in this yeah. movie mm-hmm. are experiencing oppression with our main storyline? How do we get there without any men changing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we get there. I don't believe we can. And centering 
men being able to be however they want to be and oh look you've made a decision that's now i guess empowering and liberating thanks and then we're supposed to be really thrilled about that mm-hmm. is is a lot of what anti-violence work is mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know and that's unfortunate but it's a lot of the reality well we don't want to make anyone uncomfortable you know who upholds any of this power and privilege and violence we don't want to have the men not be able to have their you know drunken fights we don't <laughs> want to listen to women <laughs> But maybe if we want to create, if women want to have a container over here where they can talk to each other and make up, that's okay. Because it mm-hmm. doesn't affect our ability to go hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. unfortunately still a big reality of trying to do prevention work. And a lot of what I think mainstream prevention work becomes is a lot of what this movie does. Of, mm. Well, we can do empowerment, mm. but we don't need to change anyone who actually is the reason folks need to be liberated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just get to keep doing whatever this is. And in fact, we're going to create three additional, you know, and I love multiples. I have two <laughs> of my own. You know, like we're going to actually have three additional new folks who clearly are going to take over once dad is out of the picture and these other clansmen are gone. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're not only we're like, oh, there might be change, but the question is, how is that continued in any meaningful way there isn't a systems change there's this individual exactly delay and moment of reprieve and i think a lot of anti-violence work feels really similar we had a small win that didn't change any sort of system we did a program we had an event people got to tell their stories there were hashtags we have these moments that bubble up and to say there isn't empowerment in those moments is ridiculous there is storytelling is powerful there have been change moments but without that broader system actually shifting, I don't think we get to pat ourselves on the back that what we did was revolutionary mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my brain is going in so many directions. Mm-hmm. When you made the comparison between uh, the movie and the movement, you know, I'm thinking about the tiny pushes that we do get excited about, but we also get to a point where all we begin to expect are the tiny pushes. Mm -hmm. And that is how we base our mark, right? And so I think that's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Those are some very powerful points. Hmm. I'm just sitting with it because it... I know. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that you can say about the end of this movie that is there, not the, the shooting with the hair and all of that, but that inevitable, like, what's been delayed that's coming, that instead of Eleanor and Merida being on separate sides, that this time they will be facing it together. Mm. Right, yeah. And that is that is something. Mm-hmm. But it's also something very sad because mm-hmm. what it means, yeah. Yeah. yeah, is that Merida will now have have the understanding of how much weight her mother bears and how much weight is going to be on her shoulders as well like it's not a it it, their relationship healing and their relationship getting to a point where they can talk to each other is now the precursor for rehabilitating mary dot into patriarchy like into Mm. the role that she's going to have to play like it's Mm. 
they're no longer antagonists with each other, but the burden hasn't really lifted because even with the boys agreeing that they all want to fall in love, the parents are still saying, well, you're going to fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't that hasn't changed. And there's no. Yeah. So it's. <sighs> How would we retell the story? Mm-hmm. It needs to be retold. Yeah, it does. Obi, what are some ideas that you have for a retelling? I think that something that I'm challenged by in a lot of why why I don't love Disney. There are many reasons, which is not the topic of today's podcast, but it could be. <laughs> I could fill one with my feelings. <laughs> is there's this idea always that we can cast things in this sort of magical space as and we can cast things in a kind of pseudo either really real past or pseudo past situation mm-hmm. in order to abdicate responsibility to make any sort of real current social commentary mm-hmm. while everything is just replicated anyway right and so there is a freedom you would think in this story to kind of start over because there isn't another you're not retelling an exact thing again. Mm-hmm. And I think that there can be a different. Mm. The challenge, though, is becomes what what is the movie where you achieve the social change? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what is the social change related movie look like? When I think about thinking about, I don't know, like Black Panther and envisioning universes that are different, you know, mm-hmm. and I that's kind of where I would want to go with this. How do you create a universe where the central fight that someone is making isn't against patriarchy and winning like this much for like a couple years mm-hmm. that's sad mm-hmm. what about you i love the idea of changing just changing take it out of scotland like i think that's great take it out of scotland take it out of reality create a universe in which other things are possible if we keep it if it stays in Scotland, like if we if we stay in this system, I would like there to be one. I would like Mar- like my version. Merida is able to resist, like to not want to get married without being so cruel to her mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can disagree without that blatant disrespect. Mm-hmm. If we had to keep the blatant disrespect that she realizes that's what's going on. Mm. Right. So I'll go all in on we're in a we are in this patriarchal situation, right? We are in 10th century Scotland and she this has been their history together and the movie to this point is what it is. I want Merida to understand what Eleanor is trying to prepare her for, mm-hmm. that she is doing it out of love in a sense that there aren't other options. And for Eleanor to realize Merida is trying to get her to imagine other options and for them to have that conversation together without the cruelty on the part of Merida. Because I don't think Eleanor is cruel. I think that she is unimaginative, but she's also older and married to Fergus. I think she's tired. She's exhausted. Yeah. 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 Cut her some slack. Like... And I don't think all all teenagers are are incapable of that kind of empathy. Right. I don't understand why the two of them are not allies in this situation. They are so different from everyone else around. So, what exactly is going on there? So the other, but the thing that really 
so it's a, a realistic understanding of the politics of the situation. Thank you. Really, Boom. that bothers me. Boom. Boom. Some kind of reckoning with the way that she has allied with everyone else in the, in, in the castle to disrespect her mother. Because mm-hmm. that's not just about mother-daughter dynamics. That is about how the men are. In that situation. And then Maudie. Some, something's got to give with Maudie. Who is she? Is she is she the one nursing those three children? Or is that their mother? Or is there an invisible wet nurse? Because it kind of seemed like Maudie was not their nurse. But that the mom also wasn't the one who was taking care of them. Who was taking care? It's like somebody tell me who's taking care of these three kids. I would like a movie focused on the lives of the women mm-hmm. in that castle and the structures of power there. And some accountability for participation in those structures of count, uh, of accountability or those structures of power. If I'm trying to teach children something within the context of 10th century Scotland, I'm trying to do something that shades in a feminist direction. I think it's that so often in social justice movements and so often in work where you're trying to change something either for really selfish ends, allegory for white feminism, or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're trying to do in creating social change, that's so often what folks end up doing is fighting with each other Mm -hmm. and undermining their elders. And I don't want to teach that to children who keep doing that kind of stuff. What I would want to see is a recognition, not of, okay, well, we all need to be, I need to accept everybody in my family this way, because there's all sorts of folks who are doing problematic stuff you know, in this family and in the society, but how can we ally and be respectful and also figure out what we're resisting, which is not women resisting each other, mm-hmm. which is an old, tired trope that continues to replicate itself, you know, of having folks work against each other to fight for a very small crumb mm-hmm. while other folks are, you know, literally feasting around you. I would want folks to instead say, how do we bring all of these, you know, as you mentioned, Shannon, how do we bring all of these, you know, all four of them, (laughs) all four of these women, you know, together to have some conversation around what resistance might look like, you know, and I, I think that teaching instead that we should, our central concern should be women fighting each other over scraps and disrespecting our elders in order to achieve change. You know, that's that's tired. We don't need to keep teaching that. That will be taught mm-hmm. by time. Anyway, mm-hmm. we don't need to teach it in a movie. Wanda, when, yes. what you've said before about when we watched Maleficent, mm-hmm. about how simple the lesson is when Stefan hurts Maleficent with his, realizes his iron ring hurts Maleficent mm-hmm. and immediately takes it off and throws it away. Right. Like, I think there's this way that... Producers think that lessons about social justice have to be super complicated and will go over kids' heads. Mm-hmm. That's completely BS. Right. Because it's that simple. Right. It's, oh, this hurts you. Boom. Cool. Throw it away. Okay. Never right. happen again. Right. I. Um, How would you retell it? Oh. <laughs> Y'all want a blockbuster? I give you a blockbuster. So <laughs> I would, I would keep... So Mary Dot and Eleanor's relationship in the beginning will need, I will need that tension. I'll even, I can deal without the disrespect, but I, I will keep that tension. 
I will even allow Merida to turn her mother into a bear. I will do that solely for the purpose of I feel that the men in the mess hall, I keep calling it different things, they need to kill each other. Ooh. So I will let them die. Yeah. And I will not allow Eleanor to go back to the castle. I will have Merida bring the tapestry back to her. They will sit upon the, among the standing stones. She will be transformed back. They will go back to the castle. They will find that all of these clansmen are dead. They will call to the women of these different families. And we will have us a, a roundtable discussion. And these women will lead. Very much Jay-Z, Beyonce, Family Feud kind of, you know, round table of women discussing <laughs> the next future, the next, like this next civilization. I will let them kill each other. I will not stop the fight. They have to die in, in my story in order for what needs to happen to happen. And for me, what needs to happen is that there just needs to be a cleaning, clearing out of this behavior and there needs to be some new rules written. Now, I don't think that's the answer in society. Right, I don't think right. we need to just put trick men or put men in a in a hall and let them kill each other. But for the purposes of my story, <laughs> I will not have Eleanor or Mary Dot act as mothers to these men. I will have mm. them take their own fate into their hands without stop gaps along the way. I, they will die because clearly that mean they I don't think they're smart enough to live without them. So let that happen. Family will come in. Come in. Come get your men. Let's grieve together. This is so sad. Let's sit at this table. Let's create a more rational, equitable structure of politics. Let's create some MOUs. <laughs> <laughs> Memorandums of understanding. I love me a good MOU, baby. Woo! <laughs> Signed with a good pen. Yes, let's create some documents. Let's create some structure, and let's coexist in a way. And then bring That's me, brilliant. bring me, bring me, bring me. Like let's 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 create some joined armies, right? Like we can do this. We can work this out. Nobody's gonna come in. We're gonna end up being a land of of mostly women leaders and everything is going to be fine because we are going to write the story. We're going to rewrite our own story and we are going to follow this or we will do what needs to be done. Like we will, we will create and preserve a better society. These little three little kids that's running through this movie. No, sit down. We're going to find you your nurse. We're going to find you your people. We're going to get you somebody, and you are going to have to be a better version of what you are because what you're learning, that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, you're going to have to learn something different. So that's what I would do. I would just let them kill each other and then... Just not stop them. No, it's just, not like anybody's doing anything yeah, actively no, to them. It's yeah, just, you're just not acting. Just not you're stop Not Cause, stop them because they were ready to kill each other. I don't have to. Like, that's yeah. the thing. Like, they didn't have... like. Like, for me, the the biggest threat, and I've been thinking about that, like, since I've watched it, like, she didn't have to go back to the castle. Mm-hmm. Like, Merida could have 
easily have gone back to the castle, saw the tapestry, realized that her three brothers are now the animals that they have been acting out the entire time, scooped them up, bring them all back, had her little speech. Mm-hmm. They can go. They they were going to go get some liquor. Have your speech. Let them have their liquor. Go say your mama. Let the sun come up. Come back. You never know what might happen. They may be there. They may not. And then we just we carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just you just did what we were. You were creating a new world to do LB, and I was saying, oh, I don't even know if it's possible. You just did it. You slaughtered the town. The <laughs> town? No. The no, town the town slaughtered, slaughtered each themselves. Other. Yeah, they, I mean, you just didn't prevent them from, from slaughtering yes. each other. That was, that That's was all. You just did not intervene for the better good a little bit. You yeah. created new systems yeah. by allowing the old system to play out and not trying to save it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I have a very bloodthirsty personality also. So. I think that's I think that's fair. I'm know. like, yes, let them all die. I know. I mean just let them do like whatever it is that you're gonna do and I'm pretty to sure themselves. everyone won't die. To to right. Yeah. There's gonna be folks who are gonna be maimed and then they're gonna, you know, have this really introspective look at life and you know, we can work with them to create some structures like you can with some little bit of rehabilitation, you can be a mentor, like, you know, those kinds of things. But, yo, if y'all want to go at it, go at it. I will come back in the morning, and those who are still alive, we will have a conversation, we'll have a meeting. But those of you who are not, <laughs> fare thee well and go quietly into that good night. And the I'm biter done. kid, he's going to go. He's uh, out. The biter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, but I that tall guy... Who was looked like crushing on Marty at the end of the movie? Yo, like, that was a that was a romance, honey. No one saw he's coming. He's sticking around, like <laughs> yeah, he could stick he's around. He's gonna make it. I mean, he has to resolve stuff for us too. Yeah, we need somebody to get things on the high cabinet. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Got to keep got to keep folks around for that. Yeah. As, as a five foot tall person, <laughs> I'm not reaching this cabinet. It's not a. I could with the aid of a stepladder. Right. I need a stepladder or a very tall human. Luckily, I have both in my house. So, <laughs> so I mean, that's my story. Yeah. I, I would just allow them to do what they were doing. I mean, wouldn't stop it. It feels very yeah. fitting to that culture. <laughs> I think the other thing, Wanda, that your retelling brings up for me is just how liberation is always in these movies still within this very gendered situation and that there's liberation looks like women are by themselves or women are separate from men or that there are only two like will and with this and i think you're also reporting on mulan is that Mm -hmm. correct yeah Mm -hmm. that if i think about how disney other than sort of the scar ursula kind of queer baiting that all of us folks do who are are queer and trans and we think about disney sometimes i'd really like folks to explicitly go there like we have folks who like merida who are less traditionally femme who Mm -hmm. don't get the get the makeover all of that kind of stuff but we don't really talk about that as it relates to gender Mm -hmm. we still have it's men and women men do the man stuff and Mm -hmm. women do the women's stuff, but sometimes they also do traditionally male things. And there isn't really anything gender transformative mm-hmm. about these stories. Mm-hmm. There's never anything in question about gender as it relates to 
growing up and questioning anything related to gender. It's more so we're, we're questioning marrying someone we don't know, mm-hmm. which, which is fair again to question that. Right. That's a fair thing to question, yeah. but there's nothing really about, about gender or inevitability of gender and sexual orientation that gets challenged in any way. Right. And we can, so we can be, you know, I guess feminist to this really kind of, small point but we're not even going to touch anything yeah. related to Mm-mm. sexuality we're not even going to touch anything related to to gender and there's all sorts of stuff in this about gender expression that isn't really addressed that way mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't unlike some other disney movies it doesn't even really feel coded like i don't think anyone's mm-hmm. sort of trying to sneak it through but right. they're really like painting over it right um, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. But it's still there, but no one, it's not being seized up in any way yeah. when we're talking about resistance at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people right. can turn into bears, but the gender binary is not something <laughs> that we can touch. Right. Makes me sad. Right. <laughs> for our possibilities right? around, around magic. Like that magical thinking of entitlement, we can, we can stick with. But we can have fairies. We can have people turn into bears. You know, there are potions. Yeah. <laughs> but gender, no, of course, can't, can't mess with gender. That... We, can, we can resist expectation mm-hmm. around stuff you do or things you wear or how you keep your hairstyle, which is better <laughs> than some other Disney movies. But you actually can't question gender and heteropatriarchy. Like, that mm. is still there. That reminds oh. me of the meme that says white people can believe in Bigfoot, but they they, they can't see police brutality. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. that is also apropos. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree a hundred percent. I I agree a hundred percent. So, LB, <laughs> thank you, thank, thank you, you so much for giving us so much of your time today. We often ask folks at the end of our show one. Would you like to be contacted? Would you like people to know your information? If you wouldn't mind sharing that. Sure. Um, probably the easiest way is I'm at LB underscore Klein on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much, LB. Um, thank you for so having much. me. It was so great to spend my afternoon. Yay. Yay. Oh, well, same. We are closing out another episode. And so, once again, guys, I am Wanda Swan. I'm Shannon Palma. And you have been listening to Once, once Upon a Patriarchy. Upon a Patriarchy.